Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. I am Andrew Kahn. I'm Ryan Zook. I'm Aaron McMahon. On this week's episode, we will be talking about the Michigan football team's outlook for 2020 in light of the recent departures. We will discuss the men's basketball team as well. Conference play is underway, and we will assess where the Wolverines stand in a competitive Big Ten. All that and more, but first, Happy New Year to you guys. Thank you. You too, Andrew. Happy 2020. <laughs> Where the heck have you guys been lately? And I mean I mean that literally because you know, you guys know my favorite five words are save it for the pod. <laughs> so, you know, when we haven't <laughs> seen each other in a while, yeah, we don't really discuss too much because I want it to be fresh and, and real and spontaneous. So, I mean, I know initially you guys went to Florida to cover the Citrus Bowl. So yeah, I guess anything that stands out from that, we don't need to talk about the game too much at this point. But yeah, any any even just outside the, the field or from press conferences or anything that you, you want to share or, with me that you haven't yet. Orlando just confirmed to me that it's the my least favorite city in the state of Florida, wow. probably United States. I've been there several times. I'm just not a fan of the town. It's all chain restaurants and just families and kids and I just <laughs> there was traffic going to every practices were yeah. nothing was close to where we were staying. Well, okay. So, Orlando's one of those towns where like it takes you like a half hour to go anywhere, whether it's like five miles away, ten miles like practice, I think was well, they practiced at West Orange High School, which is technically in Winter Garden, Florida, which is just just west of Orlando, the suburb of Orlando, I guess you can call it. And it took us, it took me literally thirty minutes every, sometimes thirty five minutes to go. I think it was eleven miles from the hotel to the high school. It just there's traffic everywhere. It just takes forever. The lights are long. Anyway, I'll stop by complaining. And I went to some <laughs> Under Armour practices too, Under Armour game practices, and that was at, at Disney. And I mean, that was another 20, 25 minute drive to go a few miles as well. It's like, oh my god. What are we doing here? But it's just a bad time of the year to be in Orlando, unless you're like there with your family and going to Disney World or, or Universal or whatnot. Aaron McMahon hates TGI Fridays and children. Yes, yes. No, I'm a, I like TGI Fridays, <laughs> but I just don't like kids. Uh, but yeah, literally, we so at the hotel we stayed at, most, and most events were along International Drive in the heart of Orlando. It's mm-hmm. the main artery, I guess you call it, and it's. It's literally, you name a chain restaurant, I was joking with people. I'm like, name your favorite chain restaurant, it's probably right outside. No, when they said that beforehand, I thought that it was a little over-exaggerated. Well, it is not. It is literally every single chain restaurant you could think of. Well, probably not Culver's. There oh, might I have think, been one. I think there was a Culver's. There might yeah. have been Florida? one. Florida? Yeah. There might have been. I don't know. But maybe you might have found one. Well, then there's no but really, I'm talking like sit-down, like Outback, yeah. Olive Garden, Bahama Breeze, <laughs> like TGI Fridays. You name it, it yeah. was there. Sure. Applebee's. Anyway. Fair enough. All right. The weather wasn't very good either while I was down. I, mean, I went down there on the 20th, spent a few days down there for vacation mm-hmm. in Fort Myers, Florida, and it was a, a ton of rain. 
ton mm-hmm. of rain, cloudy. I mean, it was warm for most of the days, but there was not much sunshine to be had in the week and a half I was in Florida, which was kind of disappointing. Yeah, I was there eight days. And I think it was sunny too. So the final, that was the final two. Yeah, the day of the game was beautiful. It was perfect yeah. outside, and yet we're stuck in the press box. Yeah. Fair enough. A lot of complaining here. <laughs> All right, so you covered the game, Aaron, and then where did you go? Did you go anywhere from there? Or, I mean, no, I nothing, covered, nothing. Well, I covered that game, and then the Under Armour game was the next day, mm-hmm. January 2nd, yep. at the same stadium where the okay. Citrus Bowl was played. So I stayed for that game. Ryan hightailed it out of there for San Antonio. I mean, he can tell you about San Antonio. Yeah, yeah, right. but, but for, yeah. I mean, it sounded like Blake Corum and uh, Andre Selden had a, a good week of practice and had a strong performance in that Under Armour all American. Selden played well. Yeah, he had, I think, four tackles and a pass breakup. Now, when I talked to him after the game on the field, he, he told me he had two pass breakups. And one was debatable, and I thought maybe he could have gotten credited for it, but he was Who is this person? People might not know. Andre Selden, yeah, yeah. Four-star cornerback from Belleville. Four, he was a four-star. Four-star, right? four-star yeah. Yeah, cornerback from Belleville. Uh, he's enrolled early. He's short. He's, he was listed at 5'8". He was listed at 5'8", yeah. but Michigan has him at 5'7". He's like 5'7", 164, 156, something. Short kid, um, but he's talented and athletic. Like, he's he's got a burst of energy. I think he can compete with the, the best of the best. He was getting rave, rave reviews in practice. During right. Yeah, I mean, he was going up against Ohio State to mid Julian mm-hmm. Fleming yeah, a lot. He went up against him in the game. Yeah, too. so, and, and he shut him down. I mean, Fleming did have a touchdown catch in the game, but when Selden was on him, like, I don't think he had any catches. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's one of the most intriguing prospects they have because of how athletic he is. It's just going to be how does that size translate to mm-hmm. the next level when you're going up against guys that have played at the college level for two, three, four years and had that experience and they had that size advantage. So right. we'll see how it translates, but he is an intriguing prospect where he's going to fit in and if he, he could probably do punt returns, stick returns too, he's that type of explosive player. So he's one to keep an eye on. Everyone I've talked to about, I've asked about Selden because I'm like, does the size, is the size going to matter? Can, I mean, how do you overcome that? And they all say, you know, as long as he has a strong technique and, mm-hmm. and he plays consistent he'll be fine as Pac-Man Jones about after the game because Pac-Man was one of his defensive backs coaches during that week and at the Under Armour game Deion Sanders was the head coach Pac-Man Jones was one of three defensive back coaches so he dealt with Selden quite a bit and he told me he's like this dude has the keys to play at the next level in college he can play well he's just got to have a strong technique absolutely there's how many balls in a game truly are okay he went and got that ball because he was had that five six seven inches Mm -hmm. on a guy I mean it doesn't happen that much you know it, it sounds easy in theory oh you know, I mean, Michigan had a six-seven tight end here for a few years, yeah. and it just you know, unless you're Calvin Johnson, it seems like yeah, it's not often that those types of catches are happening. Right? But it would be interesting. I mean, going up against like a like guy like Nito Collins, who's six-four. I mean, mm-hmm. a fifty-fifty ball. I mean, you would have to bet that Nico Collins should come down with that most of the time. But, I mean... Well, it's not just who catches. You don't have to intercept right. it. You just have right. to affect it enough right. that yeah, he doesn't sure. catch. But I hear what you're saying. Yeah. It is it is interesting. Okay, so then you went to Dallas? Uh, Dallas to San Antonio. San Antonio, I had way over, Yeah, way over to and from, from for the... Right, you're in San Antonio. Uh, all, U.S. Army All-American Bowl. It was, I was there for less than 48 hours and had five Michigan guys to talk to. It was originally four, and then Darian Green-Warren, a four-star cornerback from California, ended up announcing Becoming his, a Michigan. Guy, yeah, yeah, becoming a Michigan guy. <laughs> that was like a, that was like the worst kept secret out there because I think everyone assumed yeah, everyone, he was going to sign with yeah. Michigan. I mm-hmm. think he, I think he had at that point. He, they were just trying to keep it quiet. I pretty much had the story written going into it. Everyone kind of knew, but still, he's he's a big get for Michigan. Uh, another four star cornerback, good cover guy, six feet tall. We'll see how he fits in. But I mean, the secondary is the strength of this class. All five of the uh, three four star safeties and two four star cornerbacks. All five of them are in the top nine in Michigan's twenty seven player twenty twenty class so a lot to like from that secondary group we needed to we needed mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah and yeah, that's well 
get to that yeah, later for sure. <laughs> yeah, and then also four-star uh, receiver A.J. Henning was there. So I, I only got to see – they only practiced one day I was there, and it was the day before the game, so they were just doing walkthroughs. And the two east and west practices were at different locations. So I started off at one – Went to basically warm-ups for one, and they weren't doing much. So I'm like, all right, I'll go over to the West team to see uh, A.J. Henning and Darian Green-Warren, and they were just kind of going through the motions as well. So it's kind of hard to read to see how they fit in, but they were using A.J. Henning a lot on sweeps and whatnot, and he looks like he could be an explosive player. Five foot ten, but a, a track star in Illinois as well. Finished fourth at the state championships in the 100-meter dash. He was the Gatorade Player of the Year in Illinois this year after uh, combining for over 1,400 yards and 28 touchdowns. So he Bodies that speed and space offense, and I think he could be like the Giles Jackson type, Mike Sanderson's type, and get on the field as a freshman and get that ball in space and, and see what he can do with it and use that kind of wiggle to pick up some yardage. So even if you didn't get to see these guys like in action a right. ton or whatever, you talked to them. I did. You talked yes. to most of these guys. Like, what stood out as far as any of their comments? Uh, I, 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 th- I mean, I think they're all well-spoken guys. All five of them: Kalel Mullings, safeties Jordan Morant and R.J. Moten along with Henning and Darian Green-Warren. I mean, all were great to talk to. They answered all the questions. And what I'd like is to see what they're like off the field as well. I mean, a lot of them had some interesting off-the-field interests. I mean, A.J. Henning plays the piano. Kalal Moling sings acapellas in the step group at his uh, stroll. I mean, so they're well-rounded young men. R.J. Moden is a great baseball player as well. He could be drafted in the MLB draft this year, and he's committed to play baseball at Michigan as well. So uh, along with being talented on the football field, there's a lot to like about these guys off the field as well. So it was kind of a struggle trying to track them down in the limited amount <laughs> time because there wasn't like traditional availability it's kind of like i was hunting around the hotel for um, the award show on friday night just to try and get a few of these guys before i had to leave i actually didn't stay for the game i had to fly out early that morning so it was basically i had one day to get face all five of these guys to, to talk to and get some stories for the week uh, which you can read on mlive.com it's always a task too because you don't know exactly what they look like you have an idea <laughs> so you're like I, I remember doing the same thing last year as ryan like you're hunting for these guys there's, there's a sea of players and they all look the same they're all big dudes so you're like looking up photos online I, I, I took a photo of all of them i'm like oh that kind of looks like it. and then numbers too but some of them like weren't wearing like their jersey <laughs> luckily oh, yeah. at the war show they were all wearing their jersey so and i that can you turn was, around yeah <laughs> yeah but I'm not shy about that. I mean, in the um, even during the football season here in Michigan, you know, when I'm going into the visitors locker room and these guys come out, you know, I don't necessarily know the Rutgers, you know, personnel down pat. So right. It's like, oh, it, he's a big guy. He's an offensive lineman, a defensive lineman. Like, you know, I just straight up ask him, excuse me, like I don't cover your team regularly. But <laughs> right. It is, yeah, sea of high school players right. that would. And there's there, at, the, at the All American Bowl, there's not much help from the staff there. Yeah. <laughs> at the Under Armour Bowl, it was great. Like you tell the guy who you wanted, yeah. and like they would set. It off for you, but it's a lot different. It was a little different in San Antonio. Gotcha. Um, so I didn't really get to check out the city much, but it was spread out city. The practices were out on the outskirts, and where I stayed, it seemed like it was downtown, but like where the San Antonio Spurs play was a little bit off the path too. So yes. I didn't really get the whole layout there. But yeah, was, I've been there. The, you know, first Final Four I covered there for live right, was yeah. was there with Michigan. So. Yeah, I liked it. The river walk was cool and all yeah. that, but I was a little different. I was there yeah. for several days in a row. So, okay, the the multi sport athlete thing is interesting to me, and, and you do have a story, Ryan, up on MLive.com right now about that. Has Harbaugh been asked about this? Aaron, you probably know it better than we would as far as like his. Yeah, that, he brings that it up. He'll bring it up yeah. on occasion. He said he prefers guys who play multiple sports okay. because it makes them more athletic. And I think it, once they get to college, he understands that they should probably focus on one sport. Now, they, they have an interesting guy coming in, Gage Garcia, who is, I think, signed to play to wrestle in Michigan, right. but he's 
also considered a, a football prospect as well. But no, Harbaugh said he has said countless times before that he prefers recruiting players that have played multiple sports. Okay. It makes them more well. You talked about the well-rounded thing, and I do think the mission coding step they do look for that. Okay, that I mean, I know yeah. he did. You know, I, not eventually, obviously, you know, became known football, football, right. football. But you know, he played a lot of sports as a young, a young mm-hmm. person at least. I don't through high school even. I think he was yeah. still playing basketball yeah. and baseball, maybe hard by himself. So I knew that he was like okay with it. I guess I didn't know if he took that next step and actually kind of valued it. Mm-hmm. But it yeah, I think like he does. I mean, obviously, does. at the end of the day, the football ability and, and I think the athletic ability are number one top priority, obviously. Mm-hmm. But I think it helps if you play basketball, you play baseball, you do something else because it, it shows that you're just not playing football. You're focused. And he, he's mentioned this before. If, if you play a different sport, sometimes a very different sport, whether it's, I don't know, your track or whatever, you're yeah. using a different part of your body. It, it shows that you're an athletic type of player. So they mm-hmm. do value that type of stuff. Absolutely. Oliver Martin was a big swimmer yeah. too, and he's no longer with the program. Jordan Anthony almost played baseball at Michigan, uh, so a lot of these Joey Velasquez is committed to play baseball too. Mm-hmm. The the one intriguing one is RJ Moen because he could be a star player for Michigan too. I mean, he's a highly regarded safety to also play offense for Michigan, but he's also a really good baseball player too. So yeah. I mean, if well, it'll be interesting to see for him, like, there's a lot of these guys they end up just playing football because it's just too hard. But we'll see with him because I think he really does want to play baseball too because I think he can be a really solid baseball player. A lot of times I think a lot of these guys are maybe a little bit better in football and they just end up, all right, I'll stick with football, but Moe will be an interesting one to follow. All right. Um, Herbo, is, he is on record as saying he is open to his players playing multiple sports in Michigan, but the caveat here is he doesn't want them sitting the bench. So he feels like if they're sitting the bench playing another sport, it's not worth it to go through practice right. and risk getting injured. So gotcha. with Moten, in theory, he could be a very good baseball player and he could actually play. Maybe Harbaugh's open to the idea and lets him do both. I, I don't know. That'll be interesting to follow. All right. Well, yeah, I want to definitely want to talk – uh, we're going to talk basketball. Like I said, we're going to talk about the depth chart for this team next year. But I don't want to forget that, you know, we did have a bowl pick'em contest here for this podcast. Uh, okay. Did I just and, uh, okay, so the last time we recorded, you know, we took last week off. And then we did it pretty early in the in the previous week. It was before Christmas. It was like that Monday. And, Ryan, you were already gone. So it was just, just the right. two of us. I heard, and I heard on the podcast that I, I was going to leave. Yeah, so I look up and Aaron had zero. And the first day I was like, all right, yeah, he just didn't. He just got them wrong or whatever. And then there was like a huge favorite that played. And I was like, all right, let me look into this. Okay, he didn't make his face. <laughs> but I confronted him with this on the podcast. He had this moment of, oh, shoot, I didn't do it. I thought, Aaron, then when the podcast ended, you'd bring it up and make your picks. He wasn't that far behind. There was only like two or three games. It wouldn't have been a huge deal. He never did. He still had zero at the bottom. We didn't get a huge turnout in this thing. But who's tied for first right now? Me. I am on top, 26. Troy Street, or Troy State, I guess, uh, one is tied with me. And then, Ryan, you are two back of the lead, so you're done. There's only one game left. You cannot catch up. My question is me and Troy, and then uh, it's actually I know my dad is one behind <laughs> me trying to tie us. So do you play that game where you pick Clemson trying to, because, you know, the other person, you know, trying to block the person. So you can change I'm, your pick. You can change your picks, uh, which is kind of dirty. Yeah, um, it's really dirty. I'm... I'm not certain, honestly, who I think is going to win this game. You know, if my life depended on who am I picking in this game, I know I know LSU earned that one seed, earned being a four or five point favorite, whatever they are in this game. I'm Man, LSU. I'm I know Clemson LSU. was. They look good. That quarterback is not lost ever in Clemson. Yeah. He hasn't. He lost like one game in high school. Yeah. That was a heavyweight fight against Ohio State. As people think, people are maybe overreacting a little bit to the LSU win over Oklahoma team that was, in my mind, and a lot of other people's, clearly. Mm-hmm. 
a, a step below yeah. those other three. You know, that this was a three-team race this season with Ohio State, Clemson, and LSU. So, yeah, Clemson could have lost to Ohio State. They caught some breaks to, to beat them, but that still was a more impressive performance even to get that win than anything LSU could have done against Oklahoma. Right. But, I mean, Man. LSU did everything they could to show, like, they're yeah. still a dominant team. Like, yeah. I mean, you, you only can play who you play, and they sure. did everything there to – I mean, they almost had 50 points at halftime. Like, that's yeah. incredible. Well, it should be – I think it will be a close game, but, I mean, I'm – I think this is LSU season. Like everything's lined up for them up to this point, and I think they're going to finish it off. All right, so yeah, let's talk uh, a depth chart for this Michigan football team in 2020. I guess we can start on offense and kind of go through the skill positions. Pretty simple at quarterback. Jay Patterson is gone. Is that official? Official? I still had someone ask me the other Not, day, a fan. Like I heard he could get a fifth year. I mean, that's like, that's been coming up now for weeks. Has he was committed a, to any of these games? Any so of these he, games? he so yeah, he originally was committed to the East West Shrine Bowl January 18th in Florida. And he's committed to the Senior Bowl. He has since backed out of the East West Shrine Bowl. I was told, but he still he remains committed to the Senior Bowl. So I think once you play in one of those, I think you're pretty much committed. <laughs> Never you, heard of yeah, someone. You, you uh, can't go back. I don't think. Uh, it sounds like he's moving on, uh, but he was asked a question. I think after the, the football team's award show back in December, whether he thought about pursuing a fifth year, and he didn't necessarily rule it out. He said he's going to with his family after the ball game. All right. So I, I, I guess there's a chance, but at this point, it's slim to none. I think. I, I, th- I think Michigan is preparing for 2020 with the intention of Shea Patterson not returning. All right. So then you got Dylan McCaffrey and, and Joe Milton. And or Joe, yeah, Joe Milton. Okay. I, I actually started your two guys. It's funny you bring this up because yesterday I was bored and I started doing the depth chart on the offensive side of the ball and I have for quarterback Dylan McCaffrey or Joe Milton. I think right now McCaffrey is probably the favorite to win the jobs just by default because he's he was number two in the depth chart for the entire season. But given his injuries, he remains injury prone. He's got injured several times now. Uh, and I think Joe Milton, and I've said this to other people before, I think Joe Milton has the higher ceiling here. And this might be a shot in the dark here, but Milton's between Milton's arm and his scrambling ability, and his, his size, size, his frame, size. he's tough to take down. Yeah. Like He's just such a big dude. I think with him, they have the higher ceiling. Now, the questions with him is accuracy. That's been the criticism from day one. He, he will miss open guys. He will overshoot guys. He's gotten picked off several times now in passes he's, he's thrown the last couple of years. But... I don't know. That, that's why I think their spring practice will determine a lot, and then you get fall camp, too. Well, yeah, we could spend a whole podcast on this, yeah. I, I think, this quarterback debate. And we might at some point <laughs> later, you know, in the summer, say. You know, so I don't I don't want to go too much into just mm-hmm. that battle, but it's an interesting one. I mean, neither of them have shown enough at the college level Agreed. to make you confident Agreed. that that's the guy. Milton has shown pretty much nothing. Uh, McCaffrey has gone in there, but... There's the injury concerns. He hasn't thrown much, you know. Any, any, but right. And we'll so, this more. There's going to be an inexperienced offensive line that are going to be playing behind too. Yeah. Let's get into that then. <laughs> sure. All but Jalen Mayfield, as far as the starters are gone. Mm-hmm. Um, now you've got Ryan Hayes, uh, Andrew Stuber, mm-hmm. guys who have seen the field. Um, and in some cases started that and in some should cases be back. very good too. Okay, and Chuck Filiaga, Filiaga, not really ever not seen the field too much, but he's been uh, around for a couple of years. And, now. He, and he's a you know top prospect that the, you know he was a mm-hmm. top recruit coming in. So there's some. I think he's going to take a step back. I think that's fair to assume given all you lost, but. The cupboard's not bare. Agreed, yeah. I think that's between the receiver position and the offensive line. The receivers will be different because they, they're going to have two returning starters coming back. But with mm-hmm. the offensive line, you're right. They're going to have to replace four or five. But they've got guys that have, have played a little bit, and they've mm-hmm. been in the, they've been coach under Ed Warner now one or two seasons so they've been in the system they know what's expected of them I think it's going to come down to slotting guys you know you got I don't think Jalen Mayfield is going anywhere he's going to stay at right tackle Ryan Hayes seems to be being prepped to be a, a long-term tackle so I, mm-hmm. I could see him getting sh- shifted over to left tackle then you've got you got a series of guys that 
could do different things. So Andrew Stuber is obviously was played as primarily as a tackle. They could I could see them moving him inside as a guard, right or left side. You got Andrew Vestardis who could be the center or, or a guard. You got Joel Honingford there who's been considered there in the depth. He was I think in the, the two deep this this season. Mm-hmm. So he's there as well. I, I thought maybe this would be Steven Spinellis's chance, but he has since announced he has entered the transfer portal and leaving. So Michigan has some guys there. They got to figure things out. I think inside the tackle seem to be set. They got some good talent there, but behind them will be interesting. The, the second and third teams, they have guys there. They have their, their names there. There's just not a ton of experience. So they won't be as deep just in terms of, I guess, talent experience next season, but they will have some guys, I think some talented guys starting. Now, if they get hit by the injury bug, then things could create. Remember, Stewart's coming off a torn ACL, so, right. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a big question mark, how he's going to return, if he can get back to form. He was trending in the right direction heading into the year, but it's always a question mark with, with those knee injuries, how you return. You're pretty much more injury-prone after that. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's, Especially it's, linemen, because they're constantly, I mean, they're, they're constantly bending and, and moving and, mm-hmm. and planting their leg and their knee, so you're right, that'll be interesting to watch. All right. So, yeah, we got quarterbacks. We got guys who protect the quarterback. Here's the guy who the quarterbacks gives the ball to, just to make these segues here. The running backs, they're all back. I mean, this is a quick one. Yeah, Um, Yeah, they they all back. Hassan Hoskins, Jack Charbonnet, Christian Turner all back. Uh, And then they got Blake Corum coming in, who we mentioned. And then Mm -hmm. the the wild card here, Chris Evans. Chris Evans is due back. We've seen him before. We know what he can do. He has the ability. One-year man for 600 yards. Uh, he, he had a breakout freshman season. I think he fits well into this offense, a speed and space type thing, where I think he can catch the ball in the backfield and make a defender miss. It's just a matter of where he is, I think, from a schematic playbook standpoint, how quickly he can pick things up and where he's at from a, being in shape. Yeah. Um, now he's going to have a full season to get back in shape and get involved with things. So he'll be there. I, I don't know what type of role he'll have just because of the, the seasons Hassan Haskins had just coming in. Charlie he was, was a name that, I mean, I sit and sit with you guys at the games last year there were times where mm-hmm. they'd run a play or they'd have a they'd have a possibility to run a play and be a third and short whatever and you're like number 12 out there would be an interesting uh addition yep. like this mm-hmm. this offense seems like it's not tailor made for him but he'd be he'd, he'd fit, fit in well. nicely yeah um, so he, it, it, it's funny before the season like when when jay harbaugh said oh yeah any of our five running backs this season could take the number one job and, and get carries and you kind of knew he was blowing smart to that point but next year there's literally five guys that could emerges the number one guy and you mm-hmm. don't know where the depth charts are we see that i mean blake Corum, i could see him getting a few packages in right away and, and having an impact as a freshman season or in his freshman season i hesitate well. to say too maybe because of the depth of running back maybe they'll consider redshirting blake Corum, but with a, a talented guy like that and given the transfer portal nowadays mm-hmm. and guys being like they want to play right away and everything else i could see them giving him a shot early yeah, on i mean you didn't see Haskins or charbonnet catch the ball much this year out of the backfield Corum's a guy that can catch the ball out of the backfield, so they want to add that element to the offense. I mean, he's a guy that could, like I said, give him the ball in space and let him make plays. I mean, he's a little bit undersized now. We'll see how much weight he puts on before next season, but it, it will be that will be a fascinating position next year. Competition too. I mean, it's him, it sounds like him and Evans can do similar things, and mm-hmm. so we'll we'll see who gets the bulk of the play. And Evans had a year off, so we'll right, see if he right. if he takes a step back or if he still got that same athleticism he had the previous th- three years when he was at Michigan, so time will tell. Yeah. All right, the pass catchers, just uh, again, just set the table for, for listeners. Donovan Peoples-Jones and Tariq Black, gone. Nico Collins back, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, it'll join, you know, another starter, Ronnie Bell, and all those freshmen that, you know, yeah. kind of saw, had a catch here, catch there. They're all back. 
at tight end, Sean McCune gone, but Nick Eubanks is back. back. So yeah, that, that sets the table. And yeah, they got Eric Hall coming back, who, who showed some things early on. Luke Schoonmaker came out as the season went on, so they got some younger guys at tight end. I don't think there's any concern there over depth. Uh, I think if Eubanks left, there would have been, but I think yeah. Eubanks coming back is a big bolster to this offense. Yeah. They didn't utilize the tight end as much as they did previous years this past year. I think they'll continue to utilize it, but it hasn't been the same since when Harbaugh ran the offense a couple of years ago. So I, I think with the, with the personnel they have going into 2020, I think they'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, it would have been a tough blow to lose, you know, Nico Collins and Peoples-Jones. They lost one of them. Yeah, yeah. I think they can they can sustain that. Yeah, Let's move to the defense. Keep it moving here. The defense, I don't feel like we necessarily need to go – Position by position, because they didn't lose, I guess, much overall. I don't know. Here, here we go. They lose Mike Dana, mm-hmm. Josh Uche, Klee Hudson, Lavert Hill, and Josh Metellus. Mm-hmm. That's who we know are gone. Some of those guys because their eligibility has expired. Sure. Ambry Thomas and Brad Hawkins still on the fence. I presume at this point we haven't talked to Hawkins now because he got injured, mm-hmm. so he has they haven't made available. He didn't play in the Citrus Bowl. I would presume he's back. Same thing with Ambry. Um, you know, Ambry did say a decision to make. He was going to kind of base on how, how he did the, the Citrus Bowl. I don't think he had an outstanding game. So I, I, I think he could benefit from another year. So I would presume both of them are back. We haven't gotten final word. We also haven't technically gotten final word on Carlo Kemp. There's been a lot of talk about yeah. him pursuing a medical redshirt and getting, getting a fifth year. He was another case where he got injured in the Ohio State game, didn't play in the Citrus Bowl. So I think he, he could benefit from another year. And I think Michigan would stand to benefit by having him back. But again, no final word on any of those guys. I'm going to work off the presumption that they are coming back. If you do get Kemp back and then you got – you know, you got Aiden Hutchinson and Cody Pay both back on the defensive end. Mm-hmm. I think Michigan's defense, and you got some younger guys you could talk about, but I think Michigan's defensive line could take a step forward next season. Mm-hmm. I mean, Chris Hinton and Mozzie Smith are going to be two guys on the interior to really watch. I mean, mm-hmm. both coming in as high prospects. Uh, Chris Hinton was a five star, Mozzie Smith a high four star. I mean, Hinton kind of found his role late in the season when with some injuries inside. I mean, Michael Dwanford didn't play in the Citrus Bowl. It's going to be a little bit of a question mark, but I think they'll be better at that position this year or next year than they were this year because those guys were so young this year and didn't really um, establish themselves yet. But with another offseason, I think it could be ascending moving forward. Hinton played in 11 or 12 games this year, so there was was a clear sign from the the coaching staff that, A, they felt like he was ready to play, but they also wanted to get him ready to play Mm -hmm. for future seasons. So I I think next year he's the next guy in line here to start defensive tackle. Because they didn't bring any true – interior offensive or defensive lineman in this 2020 class so i mean it's going to be whoever they got on the roster currently is going to need to step up and as far as ambry thomas and brad hawkins you had said ryan that the secondary was a strength of this 2020 class freshmen i mean seeing the field you got to be kind of real special dax hill got a lot of playing time this year but i mean do you see any of them being kind of instant contributors it's it's gonna be tough to tell i mean spring practice will be a a better indicator Mm -hmm. at this point i mean they did say rj moan could move to corner he could play corner as well jordan morant's more of a traditional safety type same with mccarty page from west bloomfield i think a little too early to tell selden needs to put on more weight can't really control your height at all, but he's definitely going to need a bulk up to compete in size-wise against these bigger physical receivers. I, I think they'll start off low on the depth chart, but I think they'll have a, a chance to to move up throughout the season. Don't rule out uh, Quentin Johnson as well, former four-star kid. He was a freshman this year, defensive back. He played safety in high school. He could be in line for the Viper. It's, it's him or Michael Barrett at this point. I'm curious to see what happens with both of them because Barrett can move into that Sam linebacker spot that Uche played this year. They've both been working with Campanelli there at the linebacker spot. But again, Johnson is a, is a true safety in high school. He could play safety again if they need him to. 
He's a big, bulky kid, so he could factor in there as well. Moan is another guy who could fit fill that Viper position moving forward too. I mean, he might be their most versatile player in this class. I mean, he, he's already physically he can already compete at the college level. I mean, he is physically built already, so I I wouldn't be surprised to see him move into that Viper position a year or two from now. Yeah, uh, they're set linebacker too. It's something we haven't really talked about. Yeah. But I mean, you got Cam McGrone. Cam McGrone, you got Josh Ross, who finally played in the game in the Citrus Bowl. He'll be back for another full year. So experience wise, I think they'll be fine at linebacker. They may have some concerns depth wise, but linebacker they don't tend to kind of rotate in multiple guys. So I think they'll be fine, barring injury, of course. So Michigan, it's weird because you got a lot of guys on both sides of the ball coming back. They're talented, but there isn't a ton of outstanding talent. So it's it's weird. So like <laughs> it, you don't have that like potential Heisman Canada guy or potential. You know, all-American, yeah, yeah. All American, but you get a lot of guys that are good. They play well within Michigan system, and they've grown and they've gotten better. So I think they're going to count on several of these guys taking big leaps next season. And if they're able to do that, Michigan could be again. And we can, we'll talk more about this in the offseason, but they could be competitive again in the Big well, Ten. I, I wanted to put you on the spot before we move to basketball here. Both of you, we have the comings, we have the goings. Mm-hmm. Add it up, do your math. Is this roster? Is this team better? or worse, the same, than it was this past season? I don't think it'll be much different. I, I don't. And I, I think it's going to depend on, I mean, their schedule is, you know, they go to Michigan State again. But right, yeah, I guess, yeah, yeah, forget the schedule. It's yeah. like the team itself. I think you know it'll be saying? similar like, to what they had this past year. I mm-hmm. don't think it changes much. I, I think they have the opportunity to be better at certain areas. I think the defensive line could, could be better. They could be better stopping the run. The offensive line could take a, a step back. But, again, they get better at the running back. So it's like, it's hard to it, say. It's, yeah, hard, it's hard for me to say that they will be better just right. because the, I mean, Shea Patterson didn't have an outstanding season, but he was still the guy, and he was reliable. You, you kind of knew, knew what you were getting. Floor was, With yeah. McCaffrey and Milton, they're big question marks right now. You don't know how they're going to adapt to a starting role. To me, it's the quarterback position that really makes me weird to say, hey, yeah, this mm-hmm. team is better. And the offensive line, too. Like, the offense moves through the offensive line and the quarterback most times, and right now those are the two biggest question marks on this team. So, yeah. Absolutely. You guys, you know, we, we talk, always talk about kind of our, our time for the podcast. You guys not leaving me much time to talk to talk hoops, but you know, so be it. Uh, the floor's yours. But listen, Sunday you had Michigan, Michigan State times two here in Ann Arbor. The mm-hmm. women's teams played, and Michigan won that one, eighty nine sixty nine. Okay, and in East Lansing, the men lost, and it was kind of almost a similar score. It was. I think I have it written here somewhere in my previous headlines. Come eighty seven sixty nine. Wow, eerie. <laughs> okay, so yeah, Cassius Winston was unbelievable. That I mean, was... this is not new to Michigan fans. He dominated in three games last year and was like even better this year. Career high points, assists. I mean, he had this one little scoop reverse. You know, step back threes drawn fouls. He had a lot of points that were waved off. He could add more. I, I have to say, I haven't watched much Michigan State basketball, but just, it was like, can't count how many times I said, how did he do that yeah. on, on Sunday? It was like, unbelievable performance by him. And Michigan had no answer. Had no answer, <laughs> correct. So it was like, you know, afterwards talking to an assistant, like, you know, you get to do something different maybe next time or whatever. He kind of raises his eyebrows like, we're going to have to. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you throw out all your defensive principles and try to change all your strategy just because one guy is particularly adept at cracking, you know, your defense. But, yeah, you know, you're going to face them again and possibly a third time in the Big Ten tournament. So, yeah, you got to have some sort of plan. Yeah, the defense in general has shown some cracks when they you know really need that stop, really need that rebound. And they haven't really got it. And then offensively, it was just weird. They're just a little too hesitant. They've got guys on the floor you know you you pop that ball around the perimeter or you get it you get a drive and kick and that's isaiah livers there waiting was, for that shot 50 percent three-point shooter that's a little different than 
even Brandon Johns, who, who can hit that shot, Colin Castleton, like these guys just haven't done it yet at the college level. Yeah, and guys that are just a little, a little, you know, trigger shy, and yeah, just it wasn't working out. They're passing up decent shots for tough shots. How much of an impact do you think Isaiah Livers' absence has been? Yeah, I mean, so he leaves very early in a game that was non-competitive. You know, was without him, they won easily over Presbyterian. They beat UMass Lowell, no problem without him. And now here they had to play Michigan State, which even if they had him, would have been a challenge. So I don't know. I think you'll start to see it. Going forward more, I mean, you know, Purdue comes to Ann Arbor on Thursday, then they go to Minnesota on Sunday. They need him back for sure. So um, what's the timetable on the, on his injury? None. Is the none. There, was none. there was none given from the start indefinite. We continue to get updates basically the day before every game because that's when we get to meet with Juwan Howard and he talks about karate kid Mr. Miyagi. He claps his hands, <laughs> he rubs his hands. Uh, you know, he talks about prayer and hoping he's coming back and all this. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I don't know. He hasn't really been practicing too much, so he's not. It, he had it leading up to the Michigan State game. Let, let's put it that way. He wasn't like a game time questionable decision. We knew he wasn't going to play. We'll have an update for you. I guess at this point tomorrow, Wednesday, on Livers' status. But recruiting's going well. Yeah, yeah so see there. that they, they see got that. A, they got another guy, top one hundred four star, and it's almost like it's becoming already in a short time sort of ho hum for Jawan Howard, where it's like. Well, he's a top 100 guy, but he's not like top 20. He's a four-star. <laughs> he's kind of short for his position. It's like this guy compared to most of the players ranking-wise, again, it's not to be all in all, but that's all we have to go on right now, better than most of the players they've gotten like throughout the B-line era. So this was – it's pretty impressive, and you know he might not be done. I mean you still got his son that's right, you know, going to be announcing his commitment sometime later this month. Um, have a story on him up this week. So Do you think he we'll tells his dad before he announces? <laughs> <laughs> I would think so. The, yeah. the question there is, does he take a scholarship or not? That's a, that's yeah, an interesting that's thing to watch. Right, so again, yeah. kind of teasing the story there, but that's something to, to look out for. But then there's still a real prize prospect out there, a kid named Joshua Christopher, a shooting guard out in California, who, you know, Michigan's chances at this kid seemed very low. But as the days go by, they start to believe that this, this could really happen. And that would just be wow! Talk about a cherry on top of the class, because then you kind of you kind of would have it all with your class, you know, as far as the bigs and you know, kind of the point guards, and then a true scoring guard. It's viewed as like NBA type guy. Mm-hmm. That would be something. And you know, he visited here, and yeah, he's a California kid, and, and UCLA is viewed to be maybe a favorite there, and he's got family connections to some of these other schools. But the way UCLA season has gone with their you know first year head coach, and the way Michigan's has gone, like it's gone well for Michigan. You know, I think a lot of these schools, you know, despite obviously losing their most recent game, overall, you know, the whole program looks like healthy. And it, it, I think people say, oh, okay, Jawan Howard, he's competent. He's, you know, he can he can coach this team and, and look at these other guys he's gotten. So you think um, once they got one and the, the dominoes have started to fall and other guys are taking note, like, hey, like this guy's doing, oh, this guy's doing there too. Let's build something in Michigan. I think so. And I think that, uh, that's kind of what he predicted. And that's kind of how it's gone. And it'd be interesting to see going down the line. He's got the one son, Jace, who, who is, you know, a senior and going to be, would be playing next year. But then his younger son, even highly, you know, more highly rated, a sophomore. And that's a class that includes a, a lot of talent, including, you know, one kid who is, you know, local, uh, Monty Bates, who's to say what the NBA rule will be by then or whatever. But 
man, like apparently, you know, this Jet Howard kid is a guy who could, yeah, attract and knows a lot of these other kids. And now you start really building a class. Hey, come with me. Let's all go here. Let's do something special. So, yeah, it's fun to watch. Michigan football needs that big time player to kind of get get others around him. And it probably has to be a quarterback, but that can be for another time. There's been some coaching changes on the football staff. I don't know how pressing it is. If you want to get to it now, I think we should at least we've teased it at least discuss. Yeah. Who's gone? Yeah, Chris Partridge, for those of you, I'm sure those of you listening have been following at least somewhat. Chris Partridge is gone now. He left the day after the Citrus Bowl. Yep. Uh, he joined Lane Kiffin's staff down at the University of Mississippi. Uh, Lane Kiffin. I, I it's a, what a staff. He's, he's putting yeah. together a staff. With yeah. some, I mean, Kiffin himself, I guess, has he ever had any dirt? I mean, he's, jumped, he's, he's left places pretty yeah, early, he's, but I don't know. He's been around. There's stuff. been a lot of fire around him, but smoke, but I don't think anything's ever been proven. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's DJ Durkin, who obviously yeah, has Dur- yeah, yeah. Then yeah. Ole Miss itself is a program that certainly has <laughs> had. It's just, it's interesting. Yeah. Partridge, it sounds like he's taking a defensive coordinator job. I don't know if it was ever announced. I know when, when they announced his hire, they didn't say specifically what his job was going to be. <laughs> right. But it was it was reported that he was leaving to take a defensive coordinator job, which would make sense because if he didn't, then he'd have a serious buyout to pay in Michigan. Right. Um, but it sounds like he's going to be highly paid or probably get close to a million dollars if he is a defensive coordinator. So it is a step up for him. I mean, it's a pay raise. You know, he, he goes from being a special teams coordinator and safeties coach at Michigan to being a defensive coordinator. And, and when you look at his track record, he's gone from being – Five years ago, six years ago now, yeah. he was a high school coach right. in the state of New Jersey. So he goes from being a high school football coach to the University of Michigan, moving right. up the ranks, considered one of the best recruiters in the country by some of these recruiting services to being the defensive coordinator at Ole Miss. So it's the quite SEC, the leap for him. Yeah. He's been quite successful. You That's know, a it, tough loss for Michigan, though. It, it is, yeah. From I think two, Mostly from the recruiting. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah, I mean, he was considered one of the top recruit, recruiting coaches in the country. He kind of helped usher in that pipeline in the state of New Jersey for Michigan. He helped bring in Rashawn Gary here. He's helped get several got several big name kids here yep. so he yeah he will be a tough loss for Michigan just from definitely from a recruiting standpoint and it sounds like Michigan has, is on the verge that this isn't confirmed at this point but there have been reports out there especially from our sister site nj.com uh, that Rutgers is seriously pursuing Anthony Campanelli Michigan's linebackers coach to be its defensive coordinator as well interestingly enough Campanelli uh, who signed a two-year deal when he got here last year he has a clause in his contract as well that says he's able to leave Michigan with no buyout to become a defensive coordinator at Rutgers Mm-hmm. Uh, he he played at Rutgers. He went to Rutgers, so he's a he's. That's he, what's on his mind. Yeah, yeah. He's a New Jersey guy, so it makes sense. I, I just from Harbaugh's standpoint, you got to be fr- frustrated. You know, you bring in some of these younger guys, knowing that yes, they're eventually going to move up, but if they're only here one year, they're not able to really develop any type of rapport with the, the staff and as a recruit, you know, recruiting soil. So you know, if you're if you're Harbaugh, you're, you got to be frustrated because last year the same thing with El Washington. You bring in a guy who's a good recruiter mm-hmm. who's able to open up some lanes for you in, in El Washington's case, the state of Ohio, knowing he's. He's an Ohio State guy. He wants to be Ohio State one day, and after one year, he leaves. Yeah. <laughs> so well, if you want to keep going after that New Jersey talent, then you figure the next one of your coaches that you hire to replace these guys has those ties. Because mm-hmm. I mean, as you mentioned, Ryan, the 2020 class is filled with you know Moen several and guys. Those four star safeties so, both can't, both come from New Jersey. If you want to keep that pipeline going, probably that would make sense if that coach has ties there. Yesterday, I was bored again. I was looking up, looking at other stuff. I counted. Six players from the state of New Jersey since 2016 that Michigan has recruited. All the partners involved in every single one of them, mm-hmm. including Rashawn Gary and you can Kareem Walker. They, he was a highly ranked kid. Obviously, didn't Peppers pan out. New Jersey. I don't know. Peppers. Be before he was him, before. Yeah, he was before. But. Yeah, so Partridge is behind a lot of these guys. He's helped recruit a lot of these good kids. Some of them have left since. 
But he's if him if Campanelli does leave, then Michigan's pipeline in New Jersey will effectively been cut off. So we'll see who he replaces with. At least Partridge will see who Jim Arbo hires. There have been names out there have been thrown around there. Cato June being a potential one. We'll see the next couple of weeks. I think everything will be kind of settled here. All right. Well, thanks for listening to this episode of the Wolverine Confidential Podcast. We'll be back next week. 